Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. My boyfriend, my grandma, and I have always been firm believers in the paranormal. My boyfriend has had more experiences than me. None of them have been malicious, just odd. I myself have only ever felt the presence of others, and on only one or two occasions have seen or heard something out of the ordinary. My experience was a white figure by the doorway of my childhood bedroom, peeking in on me, before slowly disappearing. As for my grandma, she smelled her mom's perfume on occasion, especially when she's upset. She even bought me the exact brand of perfume one time as a gift. Now to my boyfriend's experiences. His first paranormal experience was when he was a kid. He had gotten up in the middle of the night before Halloween to play with the glowing candy buckets his parents picked out for him and his brothers. He got up and went down the hallway to his old living room and heard a wooing sound. He stood in the living room and was staring face to face with a football-shaped head with glowing eyes as bright as headlights. It was vibrating and making a wooing sound. He stood there frozen for a few minutes before he could move again, and he headed back to his room. He couldn't fall asleep for several hours. Another time, he was sleeping with his parents in their room. With the layout of his old house, you could see directly into the bathroom from his parents' room. Much like now, his parents always kept the bathroom light on and left the door cracked open. Once again, like in the previous story, he couldn't sleep. So as he was lying there awake he saw a toddler-sized shadow pass by the bathroom door. At that moment, he was like, nope, good night, and eventually fell asleep. Now, on to the main reason I wanted to write this. In 2019, my grandma and I moved to our current apartment, a mostly quiet, nine-floor senior apartment building. I'm here as my grandma's caretaker, For the first three years of living in this apartment, my grandma was in and out of the hospital and going to a nursing home. According to the rules of the lease, I'm not allowed to stay in the apartment by myself as I'm only in my 20s and I would need to be 55 or older. Cue my boyfriend. One day, my grandma and I were grabbing some food from the pantry by my bedroom. My boyfriend was in one of the other rooms when he came running over to me and said, Uh, love, we need to go, like, 
now. I asked him why and he tells me that he saw a black shadow walk from the bathroom to the kitchen. He grabs my wrist and we pack up. I close the pantry and we get the hell out of there. Whenever we're alone at my apartment, the whole place gives me an eerie vibe. It's most likely haunted. That being said, I bring you to the final part of this story. This happened quite a while ago. My neighbor across the hall passed away a few months ago, and my boyfriend liked going in to check the place out. He knows that she wouldn't have minded, considering we would occasionally visit her when she was still alive, and she even watched my cat on one occasion. So anyway, that night, while I was helping my grandma go to the bathroom, my boyfriend snuck over there, out of boredom. Much like our apartment, you have to travel down the hall past the bedroom and bathroom to reach the living room and kitchen. As he walked, he felt like he was being watched from the bedroom and bathroom. And as he reached the living room, he saw a black head with glowing eyes, similar to the one he saw as a kid. These eyes seemed more like swirls, though. It was staring at the wall where my neighbor had her TV, hovering around the area where her chair was. It turned towards him and made the same wooing sound as his childhood ghost. This time he said, Sorry, I can't understand you. It then turned back to the imaginary TV and he said goodbye to the figure as he left. He came back looking quite spooked and told me what happened. Knowing he was one for messing around, I asked him if it was true. He nodded and insisted it was real. When I was done helping my grandma, we talked about it more. We both believe that the former tenant may have been trying to say hello, but she ended up manifesting as a wooing head with glowing eyes. As for the presence in the bathroom, I feel like it was the lady before her who was found dead in the bathroom, and the presence in the bedroom was probably the person before them. None of these figures or experiences have resulted in anyone being hurt or anything else serious. Now there's a new lady in that apartment, and we haven't visited since. When I was 13, my step-grandfather, George, moved my family from our rural and bucolic home to a smaller city to take care of his elderly father, Theophil, my step-grandfather. I wasn't happy about the move. I loved our previous home and wasn't looking forward to now cohabitating with this weird, smelly old man. He was an alcoholic who ate almost nothing, and the odor that came off of him at times would be incredibly nauseating. Theophil's wife, Mary, died decades earlier, and when we moved in, my mother found a few of her old journals hidden away in some boxes in the attic. I didn't know about this, 
until she had finished reading them all, and when my mother told me about it, her eyes filled with tears, and she said that this poor woman was profoundly unhappy with her life and her marriage. My mother also said that she felt the bond, being in the same position with her own life. It's never easy for a son to hear that his mother is leading an unhappy life. Anyway, before I continue with the story of Theophil, I want to relay something that happened to my mother one day while she and my stepfather were walking around their vast parcel of woodland that they owned. They were crossing a small creek, stepping from rock to rock, slowly and carefully, with my stepfather leading and holding my mom's hand. About halfway across, my mother stopped on a wet, mossy rock and lost her balance. In a split second, after realizing she was going to take a hard fall, she felt a hand on her shoulder, a strong grip that steadied her and kept her from falling. Surprise turned to amazement, and in that heartbeat of time, she realized that it was Mary, or rather her ghost or spirit, that helped her. Somehow she just knew. She felt the presence of a person she had never met before, but somehow knew intimately. She had fully expected to see a person behind her, helping her. But when her head snapped back to see who helped her, nobody was even around. Well, let's get back to Theophil. He was a tall, skinny man with a full head of hair and the most amazing widow's peak. He had a sparkle in his eye and would sometimes tell us jokes and stories from his life in broken English. He hailed from Yugoslavia. After we moved in, my family pretty much took over the house, and he was set up with a bedroom in the back of the house. He basically stayed in the semi-furnished basement all day, though, which he had a comfortable setup with the table, chairs, and a radio, with the warmth of a crackling, wood-burning stove during the cold months. I felt bad about this, but I was happy to not have to interact with him much. For my mother, it was different. She would be alone with him all day, while the rest of us would be out. My stepfather, at his business, my stepfather would be at his business and my sister and I would be at school. He was a lovely old man who I feel had developed a bit of a crush on my mother and she had become at first distant and then downright cruel to him. She had locks put on the doors so that he couldn't access any of the rooms in the house except his bedroom, bathroom, and kitchen. I didn't understand why, but at 13, I didn't feel like I should question it. Also, there would be nights where we would be watching TV in the living room and we would hear him turning the knob and tugging at the door, trying to open it. It was kind of unnerving. Life went on this way for a couple of years and one day, when I came home from school, I noticed that he wasn't at the house. I asked George and my mom where he was and I got a short clipped response. He's in the hospital. The next morning when I woke up, I realized that Theophil didn't come home. I asked my mom if he was still at the hospital and she said that he was dead. She then turned away and slammed her bedroom door shut. I was both shocked by this news and by how it was presented to me. I just stood there for a couple of minutes, my mind reeling. About a week after Theophil's passing, 
My mother told me that I was going to be taking Teofil's bedroom as my own, and for some reason I was okay with it. Yeah, time for the red flags, I know. We moved all of his things out, except for a beautiful antique dresser with a huge, swiveling, beveled mirror that attached to the top. My mother painted the room in the color that she wanted, and I had no say in it. It was the 80s and earth tones were very popular, so my room ended up being an ugly and lifeless sandy brown. Things felt different in this room, vibe-wise, as soon as I settled in. I was always tense and on edge. At night, I would hear small noises every now and then. And one night, when the lights were off, I saw what could be best described as a mist or cloud in the corner of my room that almost looked illuminated from within. One night, something truly terrifying happened. For this, I can either relay the story or listeners can be steered towards my upcoming Let's Not Meet story, The Hallway Creeper. Shortly after this horrifying night, I was standing at my dresser, putting something on top or arranging things or whatever, when I looked into the mirror and in the reflection I saw the shadow of a tall, slim man standing just outside the bedroom doorway. I spun around to see this shape sidestep into the room adjacent to mine. I realized that I was frozen there, not taking a single breath for at least a minute. I never discussed that with my stepfather, mother, or sister. Now flash forward to 30 years later. I'm having lunch with George. He told me that the night after his father, Teofil, had passed, he woke up in a sweat to see Teofil standing next to the bed, looking at him and smiling. He was surrounded by a cloudy, illuminated mist. He sat up and said, Dad, what are you doing here? Teofil looked back at him, confused. In a panic, he said, You can't be here, you're dead. At that moment, Teofil's mouth dropped open in horror. He moved away from George, backed into the mist, and then was gone. The mist disappeared immediately, and my stepdad was left in the dark, in shock, my mom sleeping soundly next to him. Now here's the wild part. In the 40-plus years I had known George, I had never seen him cry or express any kind of sadness, but he was weeping, and his hands wiped away the tears that were streaming down his cheeks. It was at that moment that I realized it had all made sense, and that Teofil had never really left that house after he passed. George was logical and pragmatic, and would never have been so emotional over something, let alone actually make up a story like that in front of me. My mom and George have since passed, and I hope that they, along with Teofil, have passed to a place that is peaceful. Hi, my name is Luke. I'm from the UK and I work as a district nurse, which is a nurse who visits patients in their own homes and other settings outside of hospitals. I've done my time in hospitals, no more, thank you. I've been wanting to tell this story for a while, 
It's short, but I also knew I wanted to describe it properly and in clear detail. I've been a nurse for almost 20 years. I've seen and dealt with most things you can think of. I've also had an interest in the mysterious side of life. However, it wasn't until nursing that I started to believe in ghosts. Now I question what ghosts even are. I consume paranormal podcasts and true crime. As I'm sure you hear all the time, this is a true story. I'm sharing this to create a discussion, to reinforce that professional people can experience paranormal situations, and to get it written down before some parts are lost to time from my aging brain. I would like to hear your thoughts and feedback about what my student and I saw. Approximately two years ago, on a cloudy British July day, I was mentoring a third-year nursing student. The nursing student was close to qualifying and was what we call a mature student, that is, somebody who has returned to university later on in life. I'll call her M. M was naturally good with people. She was honest and caring. She and I went to see a patient, who I'll call P. P had complex needs. She often needed her vitals checked, her blood taken, and her wounds redressed. She lived in an old, semi-detached house on the outskirts of a small town. Due to the complexity of the visit, I needed to collect items from the trunk of my car. I advised M to go in and introduce herself and start her assessment on P. Once I had collected all the items we needed, I locked my car, knocked on the front door, walked in and said hello. My eyes naturally went to the open living room where I saw an old lady, who I'll describe later. I heard M call me from behind the door at the end of the hallway. I walked down said hallway and opened the door where I saw M speaking to P in her kitchen area. Without concern, we carried out the care for P. The whole visit took approximately 30 minutes. As things were wrapping up, I asked P who the lady was in her living room. She said something along the lines of, Lady? What lady? The TV's on. I said, No, there's a lady in your living room. P then said, I'm the only one in my house. I looked at M, confused. However, as I did, I noticed she had gone white and her eyes were wide. She looked scared. I advised them both to hold on for just two minutes. I am now thinking a confused lady had entered the patient's house. But when I got to the living room, no one was there and there was no TV on. I checked upstairs. There was nothing. I said to P, no one's there, I must need a break. P laughed and said her thank yous to M and myself. Before I get to what M and I discussed, here's what I saw. I saw an old lady, approximately five foot three, with short white permed hair. She was wearing a brownish pleated skirt, small flat dark shoes, and a white blouse. She had her back to me and was walking away.
She was only about four feet away from me. She was solid, solid as if I was looking at anyone else I interacted with. I saw no part of her face. In some ways, I'm glad. When Em and I got outside the property, for my own mind and to ensure I didn't pass any bias, I asked her to describe exactly what she saw. By her reaction in the kitchen, I knew she had seen something too. She described the lady's looks perfectly, the same as I saw and just described. The only difference was, she said that she was nearing a chair and was moving in a manner to which she was about to sit down. However, she too didn't see her face. This creeped me out. I had just seen a ghost, with a witness. Did I see a ghost? Did I witness a time slip? Or was it a conscious spirit inhabiting a house she may have lived in? I do also have to say that even though she dressed in old ladies' clothes, they didn't look out of date, if that makes sense. What are your thoughts? I always loved fairies, and my mom got me a book on them. It included fairy language and a list of gifts to offer fairies should you wish to interact with them. Of course, I wanted to interact with them. What little girl wouldn't? For about a month, I wandered out to my backwoods and by a river because according to the book, fairies like to hang out around water. I would leave little notes written in the supposed language along with little gifts and offerings. I'd make them these little leaf baskets and then leave them candy or flowers, things like that. I even recited a chant. Yeah, I know. I think part of me knew that it was silly and that I'd probably never get results, but man, if I wasn't determined. So I kept on. At one point, my gifts and notes started disappearing from the bench that I left them on. I figured it was the wind or birds taking it but a small part of me hoped that it was something else. A month of this nonsense, and I was getting very discouraged. I decided to leave a few more gifts around for them, and this time, I weighed them down with some small rocks so that they wouldn't blow away, and I'd know for sure. A day went by, and my gifts were still there. Another day, same thing. Then on the third day of checking, I found that these gifts were gone but the rocks were still there. Only the rocks were moved around. I don't remember how soon after that this happened, but eventually I got what I had wanted. I wandered out to the woods and I saw by the river two monarch butterflies. They were very large and I wanted to see them up close. However, one landed on a branch close to the path where I was standing and I noticed this butterfly had limbs Tiny, thin, pale limbs, hands and feet. I stopped dead in my tracks and looked hard to make sure that I wasn't hallucinating. It was broad daylight, and I could see very clearly. It was not a butterfly. This was a fairy. She had long, thin brown hair 
that went down past her feet, and a blue dress that looked like a small scrap of fabric. But what terrified me was her face. Her eyes were giant, black, alien-like eyes, bug eyes. But she definitely had a face, and she definitely saw me. I didn't even try to go look at the other one because I ran. I was so scared that I bolted home and locked my door. After freaking out and keeping an eye on my backyard and the backwoods, through the window, I went back. No surprise, they were gone, and I never saw them again, despite me trying over and over. My gifts were never taken again. I felt sad and stupid because I felt like I ruined my chance to have fairy friends, but knowing what I do know now, it was probably a blessing that they left me alone. What do you guys think? Has anyone else seen a fairy or did they look like this? I just need to find someone else who has seen what I've seen. It's something I'll never forget. I remember her so clearly that I could draw her. This happened a few years back, when my now husband and I just began dating. I have always been a believer in the paranormal. I even used to see things back when I was younger that still send chills up my spine. Somehow I put a block to it according to a close family friend of mine who was a psychic, but part of me wanted to experience what I used to see again now that I am older and feel like I could handle it. Anyway, when I first started going over to his house, I remember one specific night he had asked me to come over for dinner as his stepdad was cooking up a storm. I remember sitting in the kitchen at their island and having a conversation with both him and his stepdad when all of a sudden the doorbell rang. They had a habit of keeping their front door open for their two dogs to stare out and gaze at the neighbors and birds that passed by. Who was that? I asked, looking around to see if we were expecting some more company. I knew something was wrong when my husband and stepdad smirked at each other. You'll have to get used to that, his stepdad laughed. It was Edna. Who was Edna? I asked, preparing myself for the answer I knew was coming. Our ghost, my husband said. She's harmless. She likes to play pranks, especially on people who are new to our home. Once you get used to her, she won't bother you anymore. But the more you are afraid and react, the more she'll bother you. I tried to hide my fear the best I could, as I started to spend the weekend sleeping over. Late at night, there would be loud knocks coming from the basement. Footsteps went up and down the stairs when everyone had gone to bed. But I have to say what really put the cherry on top of this harmless haunting was when I was alone in my husband's room watching TV one night. 
he was in the basement doing his laundry, and his mom and stepdad were in the family room, a floor down from me, watching a movie. I heard footsteps coming up the stairs, but thought nothing of it, and kept my attention on the TV. Then, from the corner of my eye, I could make out a woman coming up the stairs, who I assumed was his mom. Hi, Val, she said softly. Hi, I replied. I felt rude that I didn't bother to turn my face to actually see her, but I was so in tune with the show I was watching and heard the footsteps stop when she reached her room. Not too long after, I heard footsteps coming up the stairs again, and this time it made me jump. It was his mom who came into the room to say hi. I didn't hear you go back downstairs again, I gasped. She looked at me confused, telling me she had been downstairs the entire time, and this was the first she was coming back up the stairs. I was scared, yes, I admit it, even regretting what I had mentioned before about wanting to experience the paranormal again. She helped calm me down and said, Edna is just playing around with you. Edna was the previous owner of the home who died there of dementia and Alzheimer's. I guess part of her didn't ever want to leave, or she had some unfinished business to take care of. After that day, she would still pull some harmless pranks, like things going missing, things being placed in one spot and moved to another, my mother-in-law's windows being washed and her seeing her apparition in the window, smiling, my niece's toys being knocked over, and no one there, and of course, messing with that damn doorbell again. My now in-laws have sold the house and moved to Florida, but I still wonder to this day if the new owners are experiencing what we had. I hate to say that I miss these harmless pranks. I'll never forget you, Edna. Before going into anything, I have to say this. I do not affiliate to any religion or cult. My belief is that all life is to be respected and all life forms possess an energy that one should be considerate of. Two years ago, my boyfriend and I decided to go camping on Easter morning. The weather was unusually warm and sunny, so why not spend it outdoors? We packed our stuff, got our dogs in the car, and set to the road. It was very spontaneous, so we didn't really plan where we were going to set up camp, just a general direction, up in a national park in Europe. The forest was breathtaking. We drove up a dirt road along some small river for about an hour. It was a rough ride, and we couldn't find any spots, as on our left was a rock wall, and on our right was the river valley. To this day, I say the place presented itself to us. I was frustrated that we were wasting light and demanded that we stop at the next turn. We got out to stretch our legs, took the dogs out, and noticed that they kept going down to the river. 
We followed them and found the most beautiful clearing under a river bank right at a shallow bend of the river. We had a clear view up and down the river, but otherwise you would have no idea that we were there. It was hidden away from the road. It felt like home. We found an old stone hearth that had a beech sapling growing on it. I replanted the sapling somewhere safe before making the fire. My grandfather taught me from a young age to respect the forest. Before the meal, I made a small gift to the forest with some tea. It just felt right. The day passed nicely, and as the sun went down, it got very cold very fast. At some point, we put out the fire and went into the tent for warmth. One thing that will always stay with me from this outing is the pure darkness. It was so dark, I had to check with my fingers if my eyes were closed or not. I had never experienced anything like that, and I hope I won't any time soon. It was deeply unsettling. During the night, I could barely sleep. The sound of the river was incessant yet low, like a constant buzz. What kept me awake, though, were the strange sounds around the tent. But I do understand that nature has a lot of sounds. More than once I heard something brushing on the tent, like somebody would trace their hand down on it. It would go top to bottom on the left, then on the right, then behind me, and then all over. I told myself that it was leaves or bugs falling from the trees. The next part is what really freaked me out. I started hearing muffled voices, sometimes paired with the brushing, other times on their own. There were a few voices, all obnoxiously happy. I could hear loud laughter, singing, and people talking loudly. I couldn't understand a word, but their happiness just felt off. It felt menacing at times. At the time, I felt watched, like something was towering over us and counting my breaths. I felt like I needed to cower or hide. I barely moved all night, and this just kept going on. Close to the morning, it seemed to quiet down, and I was able to sleep for about an hour. I woke up at first light, and I was so relieved that it was day again. I felt it in my bones. I felt as if a pressure had been lifted off of me. I felt liberated. At that point, I didn't mention anything to my boyfriend about the voices. I wasn't concerned that he would call me crazy, but I felt this urge to keep quiet, like I shouldn't speak about it there. The rest of the morning went quietly. Just before getting the last bags, I stopped just to hear the clearing, and I said thank you for having us to the forest. It felt like the right thing to do. Not a second after, a bird started singing in front of us, like it was answering me. I whistled back, and it sang back to me. I kept this going for a few more times. By the time we were loading in the car, the canopy above us was full of singing birds. It didn't feel natural in any way. The birds were all huddled around us, like sending us off. It felt like a goodbye. I can't put into words, but it felt so melancholic. Hurt, even. For a moment, I felt like I was leaving home not for home. Once we left the woods behind, both of us relaxed. I wasn't even aware that I was so tensed up. I asked my boyfriend how he felt about the experience. He said he heard the brushing too and a few voices once or twice. He confessed that he too felt very uneasy during the night 
and that the bird thing was very peculiar. I don't know what all of those things were, but I know I felt a presence with us all the time. I felt watched. I tried to reason it, but somehow the memories about it feel off. Good morning, sunshine. Yep, it's morning, all right. I can't believe we thought it was a good idea to try to record this outro last night when we were both drunk. Now we get to do it all over again with a hangover. Have we failed our listeners? Um, I, I guess I guess we'll find out soon enough. If nothing else, maybe we have 20 minutes of drunk pillow talk for Patreon. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, there you go. It can be like an unofficial Odd Chats Part 2 a blooper reel of sorts. I hope we can actually use it. I don't really remember what we said, but we'll see. Yeah, it was fun for sure, but I'm paying for it. Um, I, I liked our little therapy session, I guess. It just felt a little too sloppy to put here. Yeah, yeah, rather unprofessional. Mm. Um, well, I guess in relation to some of our talk last night, I figured now would be a good time to visit the Enneagram test upon popular demand. I believe that we briefly talked about it when we went over the Myers-Briggs for a bit. And if I'm wrong, well, we're talking about it now. Yeah, sure. That's, uh, that's the test with the numbers that you had me take, right? Correct. Now, not to surprise anybody with breaking news, but I'm not an expert on this, and I'm not saying this is hard science or anything like that. And with that being said, I figure we can just go over our results. It would take way too long for me to try to explain what the Enneagram is, and my head is pounding way too hard to even want to try. Mine too. Um, that's fine by me. So it's basically a personality or behavioral test, like the Myers-Briggs. One of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> well, to keep it simple, yeah. There are nine different types, unlike the Myers-Briggs is 16, but those types can also have wings where it hones in more precisely within that type. But that is way too convoluted right now. This is not a uh, personality test podcast or maybe it is i don't know but some say that it's more accurate and i guess i could see why but anyway you sent me your results and haven't read them so are you prepared for me to do the honors fire away okay so you are a type two which is a helper giver and according to enneagramuserguide.com the personality characteristics that might arise from the type two include represses own needs in service of others' needs, desires to be liked and important in the lives of others, shifts image to become what others desire or need, little chameleon boy, mm -hmm. gets their own needs met by meeting the needs of others, emotionally seduces others to bring them closer. That's weird. Yeah, a little bit. Feels more comfortable giving than receiving, pays attention to emotional cues more than verbal content, thinks they know your needs better than you do yourself, mm -hmm. unconsciously expects something in return for what they give. I don't really quite get that one or the emotionally seductive thing. Well, I can see some of that for sure, uh, but I think I have enough self-awareness to not do a lot of those things. Right, yeah, just being a decent person <laughs> will stop you from doing that. Do you feel like maybe at some point in your life, like maybe in your teenage years or early 20s, you had some of that behavior? 
Yeah, definitely. As I'm getting older, things are changing quite a bit. I'm thinking a lot more, um, I guess you could say less emotionally, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Same, same. I think we're both very emotionally driven at our core, but with age, we become more rational and objective about our approaches in life. I will say the part where it says, thinks they know your needs better than you do yourself. That is really funny to me because you look after me a lot, whether it's my diet or my extracurricular activities, you, uh, <laughs> you look after me and that's great. So I can definitely see that like, uh, you, you see something that others don't. Yeah. I'm everybody's dad. I'm always everybody's yeah, dad. You're, you're definitely the dad. Mm -hmm. That's interesting stuff. Um, I'll have to look more into it. We could probably spend all day diving deeper into it, but, uh, I'm going to read yours now. Okay. Sure thing. Let's get on with it. So you're type four. Um, it's a mm -hmm. romantic individualist and your personality characteristics apparently are somebody who cultivates and maintains moods that they identify with, holds in disdain what's common in pursuit of what's special, stirs up or intensifies emotional states to feel more alive, feels more emotionally sensitive and deeper than others. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Takes things personally, even when they're not intended that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being super aggro here. Uh, notices what's missing or lacking in self compared to others. Creates idealized self from what they emotionally resonate with. Looks for ways to express their inner emotional world. And finally, wants to deal with internal emotions before moving forward. Yeah, I would say a lot of that cuts pretty deep, hence the laughter we had in between there. <laughs> yeah. um, but I feel vulnerable now, and I'd like to move on. Yeah, I get it, which is perfect. Um, I wanted to bring up in the first story that you narrated, the author mentioned a football-shaped head. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me, you were probably thinking the same thing, right? Hey, Arnold, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, that's good. Uh, I couldn't help but laugh when I heard you say that listening back, but I'm sure it was super creepy saying something like that. Helga's shrines of Arnold were scary as hell, so I don't doubt it. Yeah, that was a really good show. I didn't watch that as a kid, actually. I, I, I kind of skipped it for some reason, but I watched hmm. the whole series as an adult, maybe four, three or four years ago, and I really liked it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What would you put in your like top three Nickelodeon shows? Ooh, I mean, Hey Arnold would be up there for sure. The Christmas episode alone, the one where Mr. Wen gets reunited with his daughter, yeah, some of the one. best TV writing ever. Mm -hmm. I think it may have even been the first non-movie cartoon to make me cry. But um, I would also say Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life. But I was really into Doug as a kid. What about you? I liked Rug. I did like those shows. Um, I liked Rugrats, Are You Afraid of the Dark, and all that. I actually liked the shows that starred kids more than most of the cartoons. I liked Keenan and Kel. Uh, yeah, all that. Are You Afraid of the Dark, Salute Your Shorts, which I was really, really young when I was watching that, but I enjoyed it. Um, what else? There was like wasn't there a show called Hey Dude? Am I imagining that? No, Hey Dude was real. Yeah. That was real. Yeah. It feels like a fever dream. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking more in line of cartoons only, mm -hmm. but that's totally fine. If we're doing cartoons, yeah, if we're doing cartoons only, I would say Rugrats, uh, Ah Real Monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same uh, company that Klasky Supo, I mm -hmm. believe. They, yeah, yeah. You can see a lot of similarities with the art style there. And probably um, Tintin. Do you remember Tintin? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't watch it as a kid. Yeah, it was it was yes. a Canadian production based on the old French comics, and uh, I liked that one a lot. For some reason, a lot of kids didn't like it, didn't watch it, or didn't even know about it, which is weird to me because I, I just thought it was the best. <laughs> so. The author, Mark, that sent in the story this week about his deceased step-grandfather, well, he's had a rather prolific life when it comes to, I guess you could say, creepy circumstances. Mm -hmm. We told a story on Let's Not Meet that he wrote, and uh, we'll be doing another one of his for the Halloween episode. But in any case, he sent over a bit of a follow-up that connects the Let's Not Meet story with the Odd Trails universe. Ah, a crossover event. Yeah, exactly. And uh, for the Odd Trails listeners' benefit, uh, here's a quick synopsis of the Let's Not Meet story so it makes sense. Mark wrote and told us about how when he was a kid, his sibling would go out drinking and partying late at night and would come home in the early morning hours. But one night he heard the kitchen door open, but the lights didn't go on and he didn't hear any of the usual noises of his drunk sister coming home. It was weird. It turned out to be an intruder who slowly made their way down the hallway and started to turn the knob on Mark's bedroom door. Miraculously, the intruder gave up and basically retreated before anything too awful happened. It was kind of an unexplainable event. Um, really not the MO of an intruder to just walk in, start to turn a doorknob and disappear. Uh, Mark says that he started sleeping with an ice pick under his mattress after that. But uh, to move on to the paranormal aspects of this scene, Mark writes the following. Two nights after my near miss with the hallway creeper, I was laying in bed, wide awake. My sister wasn't home yet. No one was home. I had decided to leave the hall light on after that event, and I was just laying there watching my door. I could see the light through the crack at the top of the door, the side of the door with the doorknob and the bottom all the way around. Suddenly, a shadow at the top of my door caught my attention, and I immediately thought that somebody was standing outside of my door. But this didn't make any sense. There wasn't a shadow at the bottom of the door or the side. How could the light be blocked at just the top? So as I'm lying there watching this, the lights slowly and methodically get blocked by something. And as the light at the top of the door disappears... I see the light now disappearing from the side of the door, from the top, like a shadow is now moving down the door and towards the knob. Suddenly, I got this overwhelming feeling of fear and dread. My blood literally started running cold, and I felt as though my life was about to end. I felt like if that light was going to be extinguished on all sides of the door, my life would end. I can't even begin to explain the terror of this feeling. Well, at this point, I mustered up all of the feelings of self-preservation that I could and desperately reached for the bedside lamp and turned it on. I then grabbed the ice pick from under the mattress. I sat there in bed for what seemed like 15 to 20 minutes not breathing. I was listening for some sort of noise on the other side of the door, but there was nothing. I slid out of bed and crept over to the door. I was holding the ice pick in my left hand, and I flung that door open with my right ready to go ham on whoever was there. But there was nobody. There was this heavy, dark feeling, though. It lingered for a while in the air after I got back in bed. I don't know how I fell asleep, but I did. It struck me as odd that I had literally been vibrating with adrenaline just a couple of minutes before. 
yet I fell asleep only minutes after going back to bed. That's kind of like how I went right back to sleep when I heard those loud bangs at 3 a.m. It's weird how that happens. Timothy Renner kind of made fun of me for that too. Just why do people do this? We just go back to sleep and ignore it. Yeah, it happens. I wonder if it does have something to do with the adrenaline dump. Like you get that adrenaline when something scary happens mm -hmm. and that just wipes you out. Could be, could be. Have you experienced, I mean, everybody has, but the fight, flight, or freeze do you, do you know which one you are? Like, do you tend to freeze or fight or? I always just heard it referred to as fight or flight. Um, I did, I never heard, which is funny because in a lot of let's not meet stories, people will say their fight or flight kicked in, or they'll say, you would think that my fight or flight would kick in, but I just froze. So yeah, oh, that makes I sense. See. I've heard the, the three. Yeah. I've done everything. Same. I've frozen. <laughs> I've definitely fled. Mm -hmm. And as far as fighting goes, um, I can't say I've actually gotten into a fight, but I've definitely stood up for myself in some scary right, situations, right. but not often. I'm usually a fleer. <laughs> I tend to freeze or fight. I freeze in anticipation of fighting. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. It's weird how you were able to get to sleep. Um, but thanks, Mark, for the update. And I'm excited to share more of your creepy adventures on both the podcasts. Yeah, that was a good one. Well, my head is still pounding. I think I'm going to make some tea and take a bath. Should we wrap it up, maybe FaceTime and take one together? I was actually just going to say, I'm going to get in the bath as well before I even get started on editing. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but uh, thanks everybody for listening. This week you have heard some paranormal experiences I've had by Raina, Tiafil by Mark, student nurse slash patient, and myself witnessed a ghost by Legendary Luke. I saw a fairy by Pastel Ghost, 421. Once a Believer, Always a Believer by Valentina, and finally, Forest Entities Encounter by Lily. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, make sure you send it to stories at oddtrails.com, and don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. And finally, make sure to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, and the old-time radio cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.